1: I'm Candace Lim, and I'm Nadira Goff, and you're listening to ICymi, in case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture.
2: And Nadira, it is very nice to see you. Now I want to take a moment, okay? Because you are also the Charles Melton hive as am I, and so let's hold hands um, right now Virtually, for how they yes. have forsaken our son. Uh, how are you coping?
1: Not well. The answer is not well. I'm not coping. I'm not coping well at all. I really, 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 really wanted him to get an Oscar nomination, and I'm really upset that he did not. But we move forward. You know, Melton Hive, we push forward, we rebuild, we think anew and think again, and I'm just ready for the future that's ahead of him. So
2: you are a culture consumer. I'd say one of our best because I love and trust your taste. And so I wanted to ask, what are you consuming nowadays? Is there anything you'd like recommend maybe?
1: Yeah, I spent like five to six hours this past weekend watching Griselda, the new Netflix miniseries starring Sofia Vergara about Griselda Blanco, the famous Narcos who ran Miami in the 70s. And it's really addicting. It's really good. I've, I've never seen Sofia Vergara like this. I don't know if she's ever played a role quite like this. But I loved seeing her in this darker role. I loved seeing her sort of take on these different themes. And I loved the cinematography, which was sort of this beautiful recreation of 70s Miami with the sort of muted clothes and the way that they rendered digital into looking like film Mm -hmm. and the storyline. Listen, I love organized crime (laughs) media. I love organized (laughs) crime media. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I have to say, this really fits in. If you're a fan of Narcos, then you would really love this show, I think. I have also
2: just started. Okay. I have just started this show, and I'm loving it. I mean, I was into it because, look, I am Sofia Vergara Hive. I loved Modern Family. I loved Gloria. I mean, for many years, she was the highest paid actress on TV Her negotiating powers is insane. I have to assume her negotiating power is what she used in Griselda, unto which she uses to, you know, start a cocaine empire, selling to Mm -hmm. the white upper crust of 70s, 80s Miami society. And it's probably also really cool to note that this is from the same people who did Narcos. And like, do you like Narcos? Were you in that hive too?
1: Yeah, I absolutely was. Uh, to be honest, I don't think I finished it. <laughs> it's one of those shows that I need to go back to. I always have the intention of finishing it, but then something new comes along and I get distracted. But I absolutely loved Narcos. I loved all the parts of it that I watched. And this definitely feels like than Narcos that's led by a female protagonist, you know?
2: Yeah, I think that's something I love. I think this is the reverse Narcos because Narcos was taken from the view of the DEA. So this is Pedro Pascal and his partner played by Boyd Holbrook. And it's just about them trying to go after Pablo Escobar. And I like that this one is flipped, not only because it's a female... Pablo, in fact, let me tell you something. You know those, like, quote title cards that start at the top of, like, a movie or a film and they're usually something like, philosophy or hope? And this one is so good. This one is so good. Nadira, you say it for us.
1: Okay, so the title card that airs before the first episode or in the beginning of the first episode is a quote from Pablo Escobar himself that says, The only man I was ever afraid of was a woman named Griselda Blanco. Mm. (laughs) Mmm. Say that. Say that, Pablo.
2: (laughs) I mean, like, one of my critiques of Narcos is that when it first came out, I was too young for it. And so there were parts of it that maybe were a little violent for me in terms of just, like, the type of TV I was consuming. And now that we're a few years ahead of that and we're at Griselda, I feel very equipped now, mature, to watch Griselda. And I like that it's flipped because Narcos and the way they treated women, barely wrote women, they battered them. And I think this was kind of their way of, like rectifying that a little bit but also turning the perspective this is from the drug lord's perspective
1: and that right I really love that. And the show actually does something that I find to be kind of cheesy, but I'm always a sucker for, where it has the sort of protagonist and then their foil. And so, of course, Griselda is this female narco who's trying to make her way up in the cocaine slinging world. And Mm -hmm. she has to prove her worth to men who just don't see her worth, right? She has to outsmart them at every instance and all this stuff simultaneously, the detective that the show also follows who is after yes. her is also a woman who is not taken seriously in her field, who has to prove herself, and who is the only one smart enough to capture a female drug dealer. And so I love that aspect of it.
2: Yeah. And I think, like, high key, this is a story about a drug lord. Lucky, this is an entrepreneurial tale. This is a dropout. This is Blackberry. This is freaking yeah. We Worked. And I think... It's working on me. I love the show. I love it. All right. Well, Nadira, I am so glad you're here because it sounds like over the weekend, two of rap's biggest talents got entangled in some internet beef. And so today you were the expert. I am the student. We're going to take a short break. But when we come back, you're going to walk us through the beef of Nicki Minaj and Megan the Stallion. Hey, listeners, hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We are thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so make sure you never miss an episode like this past Saturdays about YouTube's obsession with video essays. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. And we're back. So, Nadira, it is probably important to note that we are talking about today's beef at an interesting time. You know, the Grammys are in a few days. Ice Spice has dropped a new song. It's called Thank You the Shit, Fart. And Megan The Stallion, who was just on Saturday Night Live to sing Not My Fault with Renee Rapp, she came out with a new song. It's called Hiss. But while all of this is happening, <gasps> Nicki Minaj enters the conversation. So how do we explain how Nicki Minaj got here she has had some tension with other rappers right specifically other women MCs like what are some basic starting facts we
1: should get out of the way so Miss Onika Tanya Mirage Petty has had a long and storied history of beefing with other artists, and like you mentioned, particularly other women rappers. Um, In 2007, she started beef with rapper Remy Ma over Who Deserves the Moniker of the Queen of Rap, which lasted, as far as we know, 10 years, but I think is still happening today, currently, going on. Um, Around that time, she also started beef with rapper Lil Kim. Another story of, as far as we can document it, lasted for about 10 years, but I think is still currently going on. There's been no public reconciliation as far as I know. And then perhaps most famously, Nikki got into some beef with Cardi B, where Nikki allegedly liked some Instagram comment that dissed Cardi's rapping skills. And then Cardi took the stage with one of Nikki's other nemesis, as we've previously established, Remy Ma. And they went back and forth until that entire situation actually reached the point of a physical altercation at the New York Fashion Week party, one of them in 2018. And so Mm -hmm. that's been a really sour situation. There's been, you know, sort of no public reconciliation in that regard either between those two. But the list grows ever long (laughs) with other notable Nikki Ops, former or current, including but not limited. (laughs) to uh mariah carey over an audition round of american idol um miley cyrus i mean i think we all remember nikki saying miley was good at the 2015 vmas so there's that travis scott or should i say more specifically scott's daughter with kylie jenner stormy who was six (laughs) months old at the time How you have beef with a six-month-old? I don't know. That was over album sales. Uh, And then there was also, famously for a moment, Taylor Swift, though that whole situation was cleared up post-haste. So, yeah, she has a very, again, long history of beef with particularly female rappers, musicians, musicians in general, babies, apparently, (laughs)
2: Oof, okay. So now that we know the history, let's break this down. I mean, how did this beef between Nikki and Megan the Stallion even start?
1: So they initially started out as friends. I think that's something that we should definitely make clear. Um mm. It was public, their friendship. There was an Insta Live session between the two where Meg said she'd been a fan for years and Nikki said she was proud of Meg for rapping and famously finishing school. They released a song together in 2019 called Hot Girl Summer, which also featured Ty Dolla Sign for Meg's album of the same name. And so, you know, all was right in the world. All was right. It was great. Everything was sweet. And then things took a very negative turn or started to take a very negative turn I should say. So the following year Meg released the mega hit song WAP, which we all know, we've all heard, it's with Cardi B. Who we've established is not Nicki Minaj's favorite person. Again, they had a physical altercation. So definitely not something that Proved that Megan and Nikki were still on good terms. Though it didn't necessarily prove that they weren't, it still sparked a lot of online speculation about whether or not Megan and Nikki were still cool with each other. So this seemed to be confirmed, the speculation that they were not, when Nikki unfollowed Megan on Instagram in January of 2021. And then in September of 2022, Nikki was on an episode of Queen Radio where she insinuated that Megan had encouraged her to get an abortion while convincing her to drink during her pregnancy.
0: Imagine telling someone you didn't want to drink, you know, because you were at the time possibly, you know, pregnant because you were actively, you know, trying to have a baby. Imagine if that person saying, oh girl, you could go to the clinic.
1: This was during the era where Meg's catchphrase of driving the boat, meaning taking shots of alcohol, was trending. and. Yeah, those are some pretty serious insinuating accusations. You know, she didn't fully come out and say it, but it was sort of clear to everyone who she might have been talking about. So Megan said on Twitter that these accusations were a lie. But then in March of 2023, Nikki released her song Red Ruby to Sleaze, which, though it is a bop, (laughs) <laughs> Though it is a banger <laughs> seemingly takes a number of shots at Meg, most specifically her line where she says
0: on the horses when we to leave. but I don't fuck with horses since Christopher
1: Reeves. Uh-oh. Of course, Megan the Stallion Stallion. Mm. Uh, Yes. And so there were also some other disses in that song that people believe are related to Meg's brand partnership with Flamin' Hot Cheetos and Doritos and her assault by rapper Tori Lanes, who was sentenced to 10 years in prison after a jury convicted him of first degree assault for shooting Megan in the foot in July of 2020. And remember that incident because it does come up again. So all of this brings us to this current era of beef, this current iteration of their feud so on friday meg released the song hiss which takes shots at many different people but includes lines that are believed to be about nikki and the most damning one being the line where she says and when megan spoke on the radio show the breakfast club she was vague about who the diss was referring to basically saying if the shoe fits then wear it right
2: A lot of space for interpretation, but I do want to go back to this Megan's Law situation. First off, what is Megan's Law and how does it apply to Nicki Minaj?
1: Yeah, so if you don't know what it actually means, it may seem like a sort of child's play diss, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. actually quite serious. So Megan's Law refers to the U.S. federal law, which enforces the practice of making information regarding registered sex offenders available to the public. The reason why people think that this is related to Nicki Minaj is because her husband, Kenneth Petty, is a registered sex offender who pleaded guilty to attempted rape by force or fear at the age of 16. And then, in 2020, Nicki's brother, Jelani Mirage, was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison for predatory sexual assault, which the victim testified to having occurred in 2015. And Minaj has been vocally supportive of both her husband. And her brother. And in 2021, Nikki herself was sued for intimidation of sexual assault victims by her husband's victim, who alleged that her and her husband tried to intimidate her into recanting her charges. So this case against Nikki was voluntarily dismissed, but you know, it's very clear that she is vocally supportive of them and that she will stand by them. And this isn't even to say anything about the sort of Interesting behavior that Nikki has exhibited herself, for example, collaborating with the rapper Lil Twist, who was 16 years old at the time, on a song called Old Enough, where she was rapping lyrics that suggested sexual interactions with an underage boy. Yo, you might
2: get it, might get hit it, but I gotta run. And when you get it, where you get it from. I know you
1: young, but you know I like that young money. To be fair... The entire song, obviously, as you may be able to infer from the title, is about Lil' Twist trying to convince older women to sleep with him. But still, she would have been the adults in said situation. And so people are now looking at those lyrics in a different light.
2: Right. Oof. Okay. Well, we are just getting started, but I think I want to know more. So let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will get into how all of this recently caused Nicki Minaj to go on a 24-hour social media spiral after the break.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and AM member FDIC.
2: And we're back. So, Nadira, you have laid the yellow brick road for us. And at this point in the timeline, we are in the present day when Megan has released her latest single, Hiss. And if history serves correctly... We are to assume Nikki did not take all of this well.
1: Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Not particularly at all in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) So, Megan's release of Hiss and the Megan's Law line caused Nikki to go into a multi-day spiral Mm. on social media. I know you said 24 hours. It was more than 24 hours. Perhaps 72 Um, And she's known for spiraling on social media and pretty heavy feuds, as we've established. But this was to a level of unhinged for 72 straight hours that I'm not sure she has ever displayed quite before. So she started by liking and reposting some of the posts her fans made in support of her. She also shared a post in which she appeared to call Megan a, quote, pathological and manipulative liar, unquote. Bringing up Megan's sour relationship with her former record label, insinuating that Megan's career is trash and a flop, that she uses ghostwriters, and all these other accusations. Mm -hmm. She also tweeted about Megan's mother accusing the rapper of, quote, lying on, unquote, her dead mother, who did unfortunately pass away in March of 2019 due to a brain tumor Mm -hmm. and nikki also blamed party aka megan's ex-boyfriend partisan fontaine who himself released a megan diss track called the person the person i guess if we're using the megan the stallion affect because that's how he spells it post their breakup um and so nikki blamed him for blabbing about all of meg's private information and that's how she apparently knows all of these Things, Mm. All of these things are sort of unsubstantiated. I, I don't even fully understand what they mean. And so Nikki also started fighting for her life in the comments of anyone. And I do mean anyone who seemingly criticized her. And then hours after Meg released Hiss in the midst of her internet spiral, she previewed her response diss track on Instagram Live, which is called Bigfoot, and references the incident that I mentioned before of Megan getting shot in the foot. But she references it in the title and then over and over and over again, saying lyrics like, Now listen here, ho.
0: Get up on your good foot. Bitch, I said get up on your good foot, not your bad foot. So
1: Bigfoot, which Nikki officially released on Sunday, not only references the shooting and Megan's height, but it also, again, repeats the line, quote, lying on your dead mama, which we've said before refers to Megan's dead mother, but lying about what allegedly I don't think we have any idea. I don't even think Nikki has an idea. So that's what those hours following Megan's release of Hiss looked like. Mm-hmm.
2: And you did mention that Nikki has been responding to other people on social media accounts. What has the response been like there?
1: It got really unhinged really quickly. I'm talking arguing with pop base on Twitter Not Pop base <laughs> pop base, which Mm-mm. yes it happened. Um, so when pop base tweeted that Nikki shared cover art for her quote distract, they called it a distract. Nikki responded on Twitter by saying, Who TF said, Dish Track, don't play tonight, fix your tweet. And Pop Bass, standing on business, responded with, well, what do you call it then? Uh, (laughs) Again, Nikki was arguing with like a pop news aggregated Twitter account. This is not, you know, just a a real person. Uh, But generally, people have critiqued Nikki for her low blows and all of her responses, her erratic behavior and the lack of tact in her disses. So sort of most famously, or one of the more famous TikToks out there that is critiquing Nikki is from Bella Delgado, whose account is now private. Um, And they posted a video that read Nikki for filth, um, even though they claim to have been a big fan of hers previously and have said that, it's only been recently that they've sort of fallen off the barbs wagon. In case you're not already up to date, the self-proclaimed queen of rape has spent the past 24 hours deflecting from the fact that her husband is a convicted sexual predator who is not allowed near public parks or elementary schools by making fun of Megan the Stallion for getting shot as well as referring to her as Bigfoot. And so the thing that... I'd like to sort of point out about this is Delgado is known for rather misogynistic language online. I wrote a piece for Slate about their distasteful criticism of Julia Fox online. And so it's sort of saying something that people are agreeing with and retweeting their video, given the history of their content. And then another TikToker, who goes by the handle Vbars, criticized Minaj for her unimpressive response track. Again, I couldn't say the lyrics without laughing, and I think that this TikToker absolutely gets at the heart of why. The best you had to respond, premeditated, okay? Frozen meal, if you will. (laughs) What you pulled out the freezer was six foot, big foot, good foot. (laughs) (laughs) And then even the Breakfast Club, which is known for its misogynistic tendencies and sort of just general rage baiting of the black community, said that Nikki's response ain't it, specifically citing Nikki's repeated mentions of Meg's dead mother as in poor taste and lambasting her for posting the best parts of the diss track all over social media, sort of spoiling their effect. So like if you had a good line in that diss track, you ruined it because you've tweeted it already 1,500 places and you put it on Instagram and you've put it in TikTok comments or what have you. And so they critiqued Nikki for also sort of spoiling even what could have been the good parts of her diss track. So she put out his Friday night at midnight and for the next 72 hours all weekend, Nikki just has been talking about her on social media. And a lot of the bars that, you know, may have made me be like, oh, shoot, she already tweeted about it. You know, she tweeted the Megan Law Megan Raw line on Twitter. You know, slick line. But once I heard it in the song, I already saw it on social media. So it ain't hit the same. The the, the, the Bigfoot line on IG Live. I, it didn't hit the same because I heard it on IG Live. And I know we say all is fair in love and rap battles. But man, hearing Nicki keep talking about Megan's deceased mother, that ain't it, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, if Charlamagne's on your side, that is saying something. It's the Jamila Jamil defending you
1: on Instagram. That's so good and very true. So meanwhile, Black Twitter was obviously having a grand old time with the memes, as they always do. And Meg has remained sort of mostly calm in comparison. She's tweeted about Nikki's lies, asserting that they are, you know, in her mind, opinion, as she states, lies. And she's resorted instead to cryptic posts on Instagram, which is my favorite form of celebrity beef, the sort of cryptic sub-tweets, sub-Instagram story posts. Um, So for instance, she posted a screenshot of a famous scene from the anime Tokyo Ghoul of red flowers, which in the anime signify a character experiencing a sort of rebirth to become a new ghoulish form that is stronger and more indestructible and ruthless than their former form. So that's the type time that Megan has been on in response. And then on Nikki's side, is, of course, the infamous Barbs, Nikki's fan base, who are defending the rapper against people who are critical of Nikki. And I should note that there's actually been a lot more talk of Barbs who have flipped the script than usual, though I haven't personally seen, but it's been enough people for me to believe that they're out there somewhere. But I've Mm -hmm. heard... People say that this is the first time that they've seen so many barbs not approve of Nikki's behavior and the things that Nikki has done. So it's also important to note that there are detractors amongst them, but the barbs are still coming out in full force doing what they're known to do, which is defending Nikki, but in really sort of strong, uncalled for ways against many people like Delgado, but also innocent children, like Mari Kopany, the 16-year-old activist who's also known as Little Miss Flint, who's been advocating for access to clean water in Flint, Michigan, for almost a decade. So Little Miss Flint tweeted asking if Nikki and Meg would consider donating one cent per every stream of their diss tracks for the next 24 to 48 hours and was met with the Barb's harassing her online. A 16-year-old activist (sighs) who's trying to provide clean water for a predominantly Black area In a major U.S. city has been harassed by barbs for specifically asking if they would consider donating money to her cause. So that's where we are now. Like that's the level Mm -hmm. that things have risen to now.
2: Yeah. Oof. I mean, talking about the barbs is always a precarious topic, but, you know, we've touched on them briefly and ICYMI. I. Can you maybe
1: explain for people who are unaware of the barbs and what their deal is? Yeah, I mean, the barbs are one of the most notoriously unhinged and vicious fan bases. And I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't even be saying this now, like, because who knows what could happen? Listen, but I'm going to be brave. <laughs> SNL made a joke about Beyonce's beehive, very famous skit, but the real ones they should have mentioned are the barbs. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have a history of doxing and harassing people who are critical of Nicki to extensive degrees. So there was the popular YouTuber Kimberly Nicole Foster, who made the online community for black women called For Harriet. Some of you may be familiar, but she planned to file a lawsuit against some barbs members for their harassment after she tweeted negative criticism of course about the rapper but some barbs had dm'd her threatening to find her and sexually assault her and even harm her nieces so that's one instance and then in 2020 the barbs also harassed wanna thompson throwing death threats at the writer because she had critiqued the thematic content of nikki's music saying that it would be great if nikki made music that was about older things that are sort of more comparable to Nikki's actual age. Nikki also responded publicly, very negatively to Juana's tweet. And then Nikki herself has also participated in these types of activities. She attempted to dox two journalists who were investigating. I don't know if you remember her 2021 claim that COVID oh, had yeah. swollen her cousin's testicles. I remember. Mm hmm. Because no one could forget. So Nikki also went public, encouraging the Barb's to target those journalists. And again, as we mentioned before, there was the suit that was dismissed about Nikki sort of harassing the victim of her husband's assault. But the Barb's have also harassed the assault victim of Nikki's husband. And in 2023, and this is really what trips me up. Nikki publicly asked her fans on her Instagram story to, quote, never threaten anyone on her behalf, adding, quote, I don't and never have condoned that, end quote, which is a very interesting definition of the truth. Mm-hmm, right I, mm-hmm. I don't know that definition of the truth but apparently that is her truth and so so that's what we're going with um and yeah that's something that she said but it's obviously a position that didn't last long because now the barbs are doing the same thing there are tweets with them finding tiktokers who have critiqued nikki posting their addresses and seemingly Pulling up to their cribs. And Nikki isn't doing anything about it. I mean, she's she knows it's happening. She's encouraging it by liking their posts, calling Meg a quote, disgusting serpent on Twitter, and telling her fans to post parties diss track underneath her tweets. It's very clear that she's aware of their behavior and what's going on. I mean, it would behoove me to believe that she wasn't. And I don't see her saying anything about don't threaten anyone on my behalf. I don't, and have never condoned that. And so Yeah, the Barb's are a force to be reckoned with, for sure. I mean, one
2: final quick question. I mean, what are we supposed to make of all of this? You know, the Barb's jumping on things, the Megan and Nikki of it all.
1: What are your takeaways? There are so many takeaways because this is such a complex situation. I mean, I think the first takeaway is that we sort of have to rethink rap. Beef. Hip-hop has a history of diss tracks and beef between rappers, and to say that these two rappers shouldn't be beefing in public is actually sort of negligent of the history of rap, and I do get that it's entertaining. I mean, in fact, Nicki song, Bigfoot broke the record for the biggest debut for a female rapper in U.S. Apple Music history. Um, I think it landed in the top five. And this surpassed her own song, Seeing Green, which was at number nine. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, people are into it. People love drama. People love mess. I, on this podcast, have said before that I'm one of them and I own (laughs) up to it. But (laughs) we have to sort of rethink it because I think this has opened up a discussion, which honestly is, also an old discussion, but it has reinvigorated it in raptus culture about how far is too far, right? Bringing up Meg's dead mother over and over again and her assaults, which she has claimed has been traumatic, over and over again, just seems to be in poor taste. And we also need to be careful about how seriously we're taking things. I mean, now we have the internet. This was different than Tupac versus Biggie, right? right? Other people can play factors in this, And really serious factors in this, like doxing people and harassing them, that shouldn't. And so I think what I really wonder is, is there a way to get artists to have some control over their fan bases or at least a sort of understood protocol that they should be making it abundantly clear that doxing and harassment isn't okay or else they, to a certain degree, are held responsible, whether it's in the court of public opinion or elsewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had. And then, of course, we need better protections for people who have experienced these things, who have been doxxed, who have been harassed, who want to pursue legal action against their harassers. This is something that we really need to consider. And then I think the sort of last big thing that comes to mind is that this is just overall really disappointing. As other smart people on the internet have pointed out, I will not be the first or last person or only person to say this. It's genuinely upsetting to see two hailed Black female artists going at it like this when they're at the top of their game. I mean, it's exciting to a point, but Particularly in the case of Nicki Minaj, she has just released her long-awaited album, Pink Friday 2, in December, which made her the first female rapper in history to have three Billboard number 1 albums. And then she has a viral song on the Barbie soundtrack with Ice Spice, which Mm -hmm. was the biggest movie of the year. She landed a cover of Vogue magazine, and it's disheartening to see her sort of wreck it all over... nothing? Yeah. And more than that, it's all a smokescreen to detract from some actual valid critiques launched against her, whether it's about her behavior or the behavior of people she associates herself with proudly. You know, there were some actual valid critiques that people are, are launching, are voicing, and they should be heard. And instead, I love the memes, but instead, you know, this is what we're focusing on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the question that we ask all the time with Nikki or even with like Doja Cat is like, what is the line for the barbs? Like, at what point will they call it quits and say, ooh, mm, that that was a deal breaker? Because I'm going to be honest, I like how Pop Bay stood their ground like that is powerful stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's sort of a really hard question to answer, right? Like, what is the line for them and for the way that these artists may enable their fans or treat their fans. But it's sort of a question that we should definitely be having that should at least be an ongoing conversation instead of like just picking up our popcorn and eating it and watching, you know, like it's some great morality play that's evolving in front of us. Instead, I I feel like we all have some sort of stake in this again, like, I don't think that I've said anything that couldn't be corroborated by fact, but when has that stopped Barb's from harassing or, you know, poorly mentioning anyone else before? And so even me just being on this podcast seems risky, and it should not be that way. But I'll be brave. Mama ain't raised, no? (laughs) Scared little girl. (laughs) Yeah, I mean...
2: The other thing, too, is that when it comes to barbs or at least dealing with fans, another thing we've kind of realized is that celebrities who are at the center of those fan bases, they kind of also don't have control over them. Because I got to be honest, when you were telling me about Nikki and what she's been doing on Instagram and social media – It reminded me of Selena Gomez. It reminded me a lot of the way that like, Selena Gomez, her fans going after Hailey Bieber in the comments years after she was married and like defending their leader, even when Selena has said, like, hey, guys, please stop it. Thank you so much. But on the flip side, Selena is still popping into IG
1: in the comments, searching her name. I need her to put the phone down. Everyone just put the Doja put the phone down. Nikki, put the phone down. Selena, throw the phone away. Because she she really, that just didn't need to necessarily happen. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that if Nicki Minaj says, I don't want you to do this, please stop doing this, that all the barbs will stop. Right? I just don't think that that's ever how the internet has worked. But I do think that it's the bare minimum that we can ask of her in situations like this. Mm -hmm. And I would like to have seen her do that. but. Instead, she's encouraging it to a certain degree, which is maybe even a step further than all of the other people that we've mentioned thus far. And so, yeah, I think it's a sort of particular situation because, I don't know, as much as the Selenators have been up in Haley Bieber's comments and stuff, maybe they have, and I just don't know, but I don't think it's as common for them to be very violent uh, about their responses. Like we're talking about actual crimes and threats of crimes and harming someone's uh, safety here. But it is a hard question to answer, which is why I think victims in this situation need more protections, as I was saying before, because at a certain point, like even the celebrity themselves won't be able to help you.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think the last thing I'll say is that I do agree that it is disheartening to see Nikki do this to Megan or at least be in this beef with Megan with no attempts at a white flag because, you know, her bringing up the foot thing. It just like immediately made me think about Drake on a song, Circle Loco, also talking about that, you know, he his line was this bitch lie about getting shots, but she's still a stallion. Like, you know, we could have this conversation about Drake's spiral recently. But I think what maybe does make me a little disheartened is just the fact that It kind of almost seems like Nikki is stooping to Drake's level. And the thing is, I would just so much rather see female rappers spend their time like supporting each other and giving me another WAP or giving me another Princess Diana remix instead of stooping to the low levels of Aubrey. And therefore, I cannot help but ask Nadira, will Nikki try and drag
1: Ice Spice into this? I hope not. I feel like she might just try. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know. I feel like Ice Spice is on a different planet right now talking about farts. I feel like she'll be good. The person that I'm really interested in watching how they'll sort of deal with all of this is Ariana Grande. Like, is there a new Nicki song on the Ariana Grande album? Do we know? And like, what is she potentially doing about that now that this whole situation has unfolded? I don't know. So Miss Ariana, what's good? Okay, that's the show.
2: Many thanks to Nadira Goff for joining me on today's show. You can find more of Nadira's work on Slate.com. And Nadira recently wrote a very great piece. It is called A Guide to the Hunks of Masters of the Air. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review, an Apple or a Spotify, and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at
1: Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Candice Slim, and Rachel Hampton, with a special thanks to Palace Shaw. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online. Or on PopBase.